Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, remember, John chapter 11 is just one of this amazing, wonderful, magical stories, if you will, guys, with, with a lady by the name of Mary and the, her sister Martha, and they had a brother, and his name was Lazarus. Now, you want to keep in mind that this is not the same Lazarus that Jesus talks about with the rich man and Lazarus and Luke. This is, this is a brother. This is a family that Jesus knew real well. This is who they were, and, and, and we see that, that the Lord is going to come, and we talked about how he's going to resurrect them. And, but it's also a story, if you look at it, and you look at it, and you'll take a step back, you'll see that it's a story about really the storms of life, okay? Because a brother is going to die. Somebody that they love is going into the storms of life is going to hit, and, and, and I mean, it's just like, and so, and so Jesus, they say that Jesus, the, the, the brother, the man whom you love, Lazarus, is dead. And we can see, guys, it's just, it just recently died. And they're from a town, if you guys recall, they're from a town called Bethany. Bethany is about two miles east. If you were to overlook Jerusalem, if you would go two miles to the east, my, my bearings is probably the loop. If you were to stand out here on university and kind of go that way, it's about, it's about where the loop is, about two miles that way. That's Bethany, a little town of Bethany. Now remember, it's really, really close to Jerusalem. And you guys remember what's happening in Jerusalem, right? What's that? They're upset at Jesus. They, Jesus has been preaching and teaching and healing and doing all kinds of miracles, and the, and the Pharisees are upset. The Sadducees are upset, and they want to kill him. Last time that Jesus was in Jerusalem, they picked up stones, and they wanted to kill him. And so again, that's kind of what's happening, right? And so Jesus, his friend, Lazarus, dies. And here's what we need to understand. This death, guys, is going to affect everyone in striking distance, but not the way you think. Usually when death happens, guys, it affects everybody because it affects those that are immediate family. It affects family and friends, even though we grieve, we hurt. But this is going to affect them in a different way. It's going to affect them for the glory of God. And here's what we need to understand. Here's what we need to grasp. We need to understand that our lives, our purpose in this world is to bring glory to God. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, then you were just like Lazarus. You died to this world and your life for all intents and purposes, is for the glory of God. We see that in this story. And so we're going to see how this affects everyone. Now, here's what I want you to remind you. Here's what I want you to take away, guys. Here's what I, I want you to feel the weight of this statement. You go, what's that? I want to remind you that in this life, the life you now have, this journey we call life, you will, let me repeat that, you will have seasons of storms that come your way. There are going to be seasons. There are going to be storms. There are going to be storms where you go, man, it is raining and pouring, and it's been raining for days. Are you kidding me? And people ask you, how are you doing? And you're going, it's still raining. It's still raining. And when I think of storms of life, I think of, do you guys remember Rocky Balboa, the last one that Rocky, when he's like 650 years old, and he's sitting there, what, is he, what, what advice does he give to his son? He said that life is going to continually hit you, and it's not how many times you get hit and knocked down. What does he say? It's how many times you get back up. And keep moving forward. That's what he says, right? That's rocking. Keep moving forward, right? And, and that's exactly what storms do. They're, they're, that's what we need to do. Right? The, they, we're going to have those storms. And not, it doesn't matter how many storms come your way in the life that God gives you. It's how many times you get back up and keep walking towards our heavenly Jerusalem. Keep walking towards Jesus, right? The problem is, is that these storms... Well, they affect you, and they affect all that are around you. Now, listen, if we're going to live this life, we know this. We have to accept the terms and conditions of living in this world. You go, the terms and conditions, what are these? Well, let's be honest, right? The terms and conditions of living in this world is people we love very, very much will one day say goodbye. Maybe some of you have already experienced that. Maybe you had someone who was very, very close to you. This being Father's Day, I saw a lot of people, guys, on Facebook going, I'm celebrating my father who's in heaven today. And they've had to say goodbye. That's a term and condition. Do I like it? No, I don't like it. 
That's just part of this world. Another term and condition of this world is that not that we have to say goodbye to somebody we love, but maybe one day we'll have to say goodbye to all of those that are around us. We'll have to say goodbye to people we love. We'll have to say. And that's not an easy thing to do, is it? It's not, oh, well, look at the reward, Pastor Ben. I get to go to heaven. That's wonderful. That's amazing. But there's still people that you love that you'll, have to, that you'll miss and you'll say goodbye to. I don't like it, guys. I don't like it. It hurts like crazy, right? But those are the terms. Now, that's the bad news of living in this world. We have to say goodbye. But what's the good news? You guys ready? The good news is that Jesus died on the cross, right? 2,000 years ago, he gave, willingly gave his life so that he can reconcile his people back to him, right? And here's what I want you to grasp. If you know Jesus... Goodbye is not forever. If you know Jesus, goodbye is not forever. Now, let me just say this, okay? One day, very, very soon. How soon? Maybe in the next five seconds. What in the next five seconds? Maybe Jesus is going to come back, okay? We're going to see Jesus and all of those who have gone before us. As a matter of fact, Paul gives us some encouragement, right? Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians, says this. Now, listen up. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Thank you, Paul. Paul doesn't want me to be dumb. He doesn't want me to be ignorant, okay? And, and the word brethren means that he's talking to who? He's talking to Christians, Okay? I don't want you to be I don't want you to be ignorant guys. I don't want you to be ignorant. Okay, thank you Paul. What am I ignorant about? Concerning those who have fallen asleep. Are they really falling asleep or have they died? Help me church. They've died, right? As a matter of fact, when Lazarus is dead and they go, "Oh, Lazarus is asleep." The disciple says, "Dude, if he's sleeping, why are we going to wake him up? Sleep is good." The body's good. he's like, "Dude, Lazarus is dead." Okay? So I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have died. Those who have died. Okay, don't be ignorant, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope, right? Have you ever been to a funeral for those who sorrow who have no hope? It's scary. They're wailing and moaning, and I mean, the whole, it's chaotic at a funeral for those that have no hope. Paul says, listen, I don't want you to be like that. He says, why? He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him to those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. What's he saying? One day, we're going to be like, wow. And, and he says, those who have died, those believers who have died, we're not going to precede them when Jesus comes back. Boy, what's going to happen? Listen, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, Right? With a shout. That's what I love. That's important. With the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Here's what I love about this. Jesus isn't going to come back and go, hey, hey, Anthony, come on, bro, let's go. He's coming back loud with the trumpet. It's going to be amazing, right? With a shout, hey, right? Whoa, this is going to be good. What's going to happen when Jesus comes back? He said the dead in Christ will rise first. All those who have died in Jesus are going to go up first. Isn't that going to be a trip? Isn't that going to be a trip? You're sitting there, you'll be driving, right? And all of a sudden you'll see, whoa, I hope you're saved. Because here's why. If you're not saved, you're going to go. And you're just going to watch dead people. Watch just The dead in Christ are going to rise first. And he says, you and I who are alive and remain, right? What's he said? You and I remain will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, that's going to be incredible. Do you realize that's coming? Do you realize that's coming? Do you realize that's coming? You go, I think so. How many of us walk like this? Might be today. Might be today. Lord, today? Huh. I'm ready. Right? That's, it could happen. It could happen in the next three seconds. It could happen in the next five seconds. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Hey, Pastor, how do you know? I know. I'm convinced, I'm persuaded, it's going to happen. Why? Paul says this, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, what am I supposed to do with this? Comfort one another with these words. 
So that's the bad news is, yeah, we have to say goodbye, but we say, we're not saying, we're not saying goodbye forever because one day you're going to beat me to heaven. How's that? You're going to beat me to heaven. This is good. This is good. This is good. Now, this is, guys, super wonderful, awesome, good news. Is it not? One day, very soon, we're going to be, we're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be there. We're going to hang out in heaven. All of this is going to go away. Now, let me just say this. This is just a side note, not in my notes, free to you. Heaven is not a place we want to go simply because earth is a bummer. I hate my life. I'm so depressed. I can't wait to go to heaven. No, because God said he wanted to give us life and life more abundantly. Okay, yeah, heaven, I mean, earth's a drag with everything that goes on, right? Because sin stinks. But we want to go to heaven because our family's there and our loved ones are there and Jesus is there. And, and heaven wouldn't be heaven without Jesus. So the point is, is you need to fall in love with Jesus all the more. You need to fall in love. To, that is free, okay? So one day we're going to be with Jesus. But concerning our text today, the good news is that Jesus is going to bring back to life his friend Lazarus from the dead. Now, let that fit in. Let that, let that wait. I mean, he's going to bring back his friend Lazarus. How long has Lazarus been dead? Four days. Four days he's been dead. The funeral's already happening. Been dead four days, right? He's going to bring him back. He's going to bring him back, right? Now, of course, as I was thinking about this, right, I'm pondering it. Hmm, reminded me of a story. Okay, I heard this story, right? I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it goes like this. There was a funeral service held for a woman who had just passed away. So I want you to picture the scene. There's this big funeral, right? This woman had passed away. Her husband is in the front row, and he's grieving, and my sweet, my sweet, sweet wife. And after the service, okay, the pallbearers carry the casket out, and as they're going out, right, they accidentally bump the wall. So you can imagine. Boom. All right, how embarrassing. But as the story goes, right, they hear a faint moan. Oh. They, they open the casket and find that the woman is actually alive. Right? She goes on to live for 10 years more. And then she dies again. And they have another funeral for her. And at the end of the service, the pallbearers carry out the casket. And as they're walking out the doors, the husband cries out, watch out for the wall. Right? Here's what we've learned so far. There are different kinds of groups, guys, that the glory of God will affect. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, guys, we talked about Lazarus himself. That's the first one. And that's so impactful. Why? Well, think about it, guys. Think about it. When a man comes to the place where he's going to die, that takes, that's, an, that's a profound effect. When you come to the place where you go, okay, Ben Martinez is no longer going to be in existence. I'm not going to see a beautiful sunrise. I'm not going to see a beautiful sunset. I'm not going to be around. That is profound. Can you imagine how Lazarus, Lazarus says, I'm feeling sick, right? And I think the one thing that comes to mind for most of us is we go, this is it, right? That's what we say. This is it. This is because it's a step we all take alone. There, there's nobody we go. Nobody goes with us. It's that step we all take alone. And it's this great unknown. Okay. So it has a profound effect. Lazarus, think about it. Lazarus going. Where is he going? He's going to a place called Abraham's bosom, right? Not heaven yet. Why doesn't he go to heaven? Because Jesus hasn't died and resurrected and taken those to heaven yet. He hasn't done it. He's still on earth. So Lazarus is going to go hang out. Who's he going to hang out with? Probably Moses, probably Elijah, probably Enoch, Job, right? All of the saints that have gone before, he's hanging out with all of them. And he's probably hanging out with people that he doesn't, that are not even mentioned in the Bible. He's probably hanging out with grandmas who prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And there's a little praying grandma at the corner. Oh, pray. I don't have much ministry, but I pray. Those are the best kind, aren't they? And there's Lazarus. Who, who else does it affect? It affects Mary and Martha. Okay? It always affects those that are left behind. Guys, think about how the storms affect a family, right? Storms of darkness and death. And of course, we who are here can certainly relate when someone we love has to say goodbye. It's one of the hardest things any human will ever go through. One of the hardest things. Well, 
Lazarus' death also, guys, Lazarus' death also affects Jesus' disciples, right? Notice with me in verse 8, right? It says, the disciples said to Jesus, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again, right? Now, think about it. I love that the disciples are like, listen, last time we were in Jerusalem, they were trying to kill you. They picked up stones. He says, and you're going to go there again? And I like Jesus. Jesus is like, not me, fellas. We, we are going. Now, here's the question I got to ask you. If you're sitting out and hanging out with Jesus and, and there's a hit on Jesus, you're his disciple. You're his disciple. You're following. There's a hit on Jesus. Are you going to go with him back to Jerusalem? Are you going to be like, hey, listen, I'll take care of stuff down here. This is going to be my ministry. I'm going to work down here. You going up. Hey, listen, we'll text. Just let me know what's going on. You know, shoot me an email, right? That's not the We're disciples. How many of us are going to go with Jesus? Right? Why? Well, think, look at verse 16. It says, then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Right? He's like, okay, so we're going to go up to, we're going to be stoned too. Okay, we're going to be killed. Let's go. Who's in? And here's what we said. Here's how we apply it. Guys, I want you to, I want you to feel, listen, listen, listen. It's one thing to say, I'll die for Jesus. But what's harder is that you'll say, I'll live for him every single day. That I'll get up and I'll be for the glory of God what he wants me to be. That's harder. Oh, it's easy for me to go, I'll walk out that door and I'll die for you, Jesus. I give you my life. And the Lord's like, great. But how about living for me? Well, how, well, 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 uh, 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 well, hold on. What does that entail, Lord? What, is that, what does that mean, live for you? He says, but listen, if, you're, uh, if, if your life is given to me and it's for the glory of God, what about telling people you know and love about me? Oh, so, so let me see if I understand this, Lord. You want me to witness? You want me to witness? Here's what I want you to jot, jot this down if you're taking notes. You guys ready? Witness is not something you do. A witness is something you are. A witness is not something you do. It's something you are. It's something you are. So the disciples, I'm ready to go. We're, we're going we're gonna to be a witness. We're going to be a witness to this. Right? But I love Thomas. Why? Here's what I love about Thomas. Guys, we see that he's loyal. God, we'll go with you. We'll go with you. Paul, we're going with Jesus, okay? All right, Paul's like, uh, hold up. I didn't, I didn't join your posse, dude. Hold up. What do you mean me? No, Paul, we're going with Because he's loyal. He's also courageous. He's also courageous. Let's go. Let's go. The courage. The courage. And he's honest. That's what I love about honest. That's what I love about Thomas. He's honest. The next group we, that it affected, guys, were the family friends, right? What happens when you have a funeral? All the people come over and they mourn with you, right? You have a funeral and people are in the house. And, 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 and listen, you're in a daze because you've just lost somebody. And, and you see people, you don't even remember that they're there. But there's people, right? This, affected, this death affected all of those people. You go, how so? Well, remember we kind of gave you a spoiler alert last week, right? It said that many of the Jews had joined the women or had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort her. So they had these comforters. And, oh, I'm sorry about your brother. What can I do? Help us. Let's make food. Let's make sure everything's okay. Let's, do you need help with funeral expenses? Here was the result. The result in verse 45 says that many of the Jews who had come to Mary, many of the family friends, had seen the things that Jesus did and believed in him. Believed in him. Now, here's what we need to, here's what we need to stop. Here's what we need to chat for just a moment. You go, why, pastor? Here's why. Because of the term belief. I would ask you, I would employ, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And you'd go, amen, pastor, amen. I believe in Jesus. But the Greek word, guys, is really this. Now, here's, apply this, do you, is this what it means in your heart? You go, what's that? Do you have faith in respect to Jesus. I have my faith in Jesus. No one else. I'm not hoping that my good works. I'm not hoping that my good looks. I'm not hoping that my heritage or my denomination or my religious affiliation is going to get me to heaven. Do I believe that? Do I believe it's Jesus and only Jesus? You go, amen. The other word is persuaded. Persuaded in reliance. 
do you, are you persuaded to have reliance upon Christ for salvation? That's your reliance. And then the third one is to be convinced with confidence. That's what I'm saying. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You see, I just said a minute ago, a witness is something you are. It's not something you do. How is a witness something you are? Because if you are persuaded, if you are convinced and you have faith in Jesus, guess what's going to happen? You're going to live what you believe. You're going to live what you believe now. We don't want to believe I go to church because that doesn't do anything. We just go to church. Hey, what'd you do Sunday? Went to church. I want to believe what I, I, want, I want to live what I believe so people can see who Jesus is. That's, that's what I want. That's what I want. So Lazarus's death and resurrection was the glory of God and all those who witnessed it. Well, what was the purpose, guys? So that they would believe, everybody say believe, in Jesus for salvation. That was the point of the gospel. Well, today, guys, we're going to look at the next group, okay? We're going to look in, we're going to see Jesus in there, but the other group we're going to see are what I call the acquaintances and the curiosity seekers, okay? Acquaintances and curiosity seekers, and then we're going to see a little bit how this affects Jesus himself. That's where we pick up the story, guys. Verse 38, notice. Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself. Do you guys remember the word groan? It means, it's that inward. He didn't weep out loud. It wasn't, (laughs) everyone else is weeping, ugly cry, makeup coming down, snot all over. Jesus is inside and he's just, why? Why was Jesus groaning? Why? Because that's not how he intended. He, He knows that death hurts. And do you realize, do you realize that when you lose a loved one, I bet Jesus is groaning and he hurts with you. He hurts with you because he goes, that's not what I intended. I, that's not what I intended. And it says, then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, he comes to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Now, Probably Mary and Martha were like, well, he wants to pay his last respects. He wants to go to the grave. Do we not do that ourselves? Do we not go to grave sites? Do we not go specifically, I mean, Memorial Day and all the, all the holidays, we'll go to the grave and we'll put flowers. And, and even though this is not really our loved one, that's kind of where we connect. And so a lot of people were thinking, Jesus just wants to connect. He just wants to go. He just wants to see. Now, John gives us some great insight into a tomb or a grave that Lazarus was buried in. You see, in the Middle East, this is how they would bury their loved ones, okay? They would hewn out a cave, and in this cave, they'd have probably a three-foot bench on one side, kind of on the back, and not very big, but just kind of maybe in an L-shape. Some of them were just in a U-shaped, some of them were in an L-shaped, uh, Tamri knows she saw one in Israel. When we go to Israel next year, you'll see they're all over. This is how they buried him. You go, what would happen? When you died, they would wrap you in grave clothes, okay? They would lay you in the tomb, and then they would roll the stone over the opening of the cave. What would happen is, right, you would begin to decompose. After about a year, they would roll the stone away. They would go in, and there'd be nothing but what? Bones. Then they would take your bones. Now, remember, they don't break them because there's nothing holding them together. They would take your bones and they'd put them in little boxes. And then that's what they would put and they would bury those with your ancestors, with your parents and things like that. It makes it so much easier. If you go stand on the Mount of Olives, you'll see all of these graves and they're very little. And you go, how, how are people born there? Are they? No, they're, they've decomposed their flesh and then they'll take their bones and they'll just stack them and put them in a little box. Okay. That's how they do that. They've already prepared Lazarus. He's lying on a bench. He's lying on a bunko, whatever you want to call it. It's just a little, he's in there. Okay? They've already set the stone. That's what's happening. Okay? And Jesus comes to the grave, and instead of simply paying his respects like they're thinking, Look at verse 39. And Jesus, our Lord and Savior, says, take away the stone. Roll away that stone, right? Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, 
Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. How many days? Four. Now remember, almost everyone would agree, if someone has been dead for four days, it really means that they, they are dead. They are dead. Okay? If ever I die, or you think I'm dying, and you put me in a cave, you better make sure I'm dead. Because I'd hate to be in a cave if I'm not dead, right, for four days. Let me out! What are you doing? Open this! Ah! I mean, it's not a very big cave. But we know that he's been dead four days. There's just no sign of life. And here's what I've read to those who have been dead four days. Ready? Number one, the first thing that happens is that the body begins to turn white. Very white, and rigor mortis sets in. Okay? Then, in four days, it would begin to smell very, very bad, okay? So, the decomposing hasn't happened yet, but it starts to, right? It starts to stink. So, someone who has been dead, if I have never, I don't, maybe some of you have, I have never walked in on a body that has been dead that hasn't already been, you know, preserved. I bet it stinks. Somebody said that if you smell that, that's a smell you never get rid of. It stinks really bad. It stinks really bad. The King James Version says that Martha says, Lord, he stinketh. He stinks, Lord. Don't, don't open it. No, Lord, don't, don't do that. He stinks. Right? See, here's what I want you to see. Lazarus wasn't just dead. He stunk. He smelled. What was happening? He was rotting from the inside out already, right? He said, that's, what, that's what's happening. So I started to think about this. I said, okay, Lord, how does that, like, how would that apply to us? Okay, let's just look at how would that apply? There's Lazarus. He's, he's, Jesus said, roll away the stone. No, Lord, don't roll away the stone because he stinks. He stinketh. Woo. And I started to think, how does that apply? Well, guys, if you're taking note, here's what, here's what, how it can apply to your life. You ready? Stink brings humility, doesn't it? You go, whoa, 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 what do you mean it? Well, think about it, guys. When we get up in the morning, we like to take a shower. I hope you all take a shower, okay? We put on, what? We put on cologne. We want to smell good. We want to comb our hair. We want to look good, right? That's what we do on the outside. The problem is, is that we may be dead on the inside, but those around us don't even notice. But when we begin to rot, when we begin to internally rot from the inside out, You can't hide it anymore. You can't hide it. I was talking to Beverly this morning, and I was talking about about true colors, true colors, right? Some people come up, and they they look like a million bucks. They act like a million bucks. They have this, oh, wonderful, and everybody thinks on the outside, wow, he was such a good person. But what will happen eventually, guys? True colors come out, right? That's what happens. Well, I thought he was such a great person, and he ended up doing this. He ended up doing that. He ended up hurting me. I can't believe this. Well, again, that's what happens. We can look good on the outside, but we could be rotting on the inside. And what happens in our lives is eventually the stink comes on out. What do we need? How do we get rid of the stink? Right? Sometimes we like so sometimes we stink. And what we like to do is we like to try to cover the stink with perfume. Instead of taking a shower, listen, I can go a couple more days. I think I'll be all right. You know, I'm a little ripe. No, just don't stand downwind. What am I going to do? Well, I've got to go somewhere. I'm just going to spray on. And what does it smell? Let's be honest, right? That doesn't cover it, does it? It just smells like you put cologne on stink. Okay? Here's what I love. Jesus loves you the way you are. And sometimes when you stink, he loves you just the way you are. But he refuses to leave you that way. He refuses. Josh yesterday said, we were talking about how many times I invited him to church. And God God was not going to let go of you. God was not going to let go of you. You know, you know how many coffees Josh and I had to drink to get you here, Amanda? A lot. God wasn't going to let you go. 
What's the point? Guys, he loves you and he refuses to leave you the way you are. He's going to work on you. He's going to do incredible things. That's why you're in church today. That's why you're here. What am I doing in church? Not nine o'clock. Who made me get up? Are you kidding me? Because he loves you. He loves you. So Jesus is there, right? There he is. And he says, take away the stone. No, 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 Lord. He stinks. Woo, trust me. Look at verse 40. And Jesus said to her, did I not say that, that if you would, what, believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, Jesus is fully capable of this miracle without the faith of Mary and Martha. You need to understand that, okay? He wasn't there going, do you have faith, brother? Do you have faith that I can heal some? Do you? He's like, no, Jesus can take care of that, right? But if they would not believe, then they would never see the glory of God. They could see the end result and be happy in that, but they would miss the glory of working together with God in fulfillment of his plan. You go, Pastor, what's the point? Guys, there's, there's times when we go, listen, we're going to step out of the boat, and we're going to see the glory of God. Why? Because if we can explain it, maybe God didn't do it. You go, how so? Case in point, we, we, we're, we're real close to getting a radio station. How come it hasn't happened? I don't know. God's timing. But here's the point. Can we afford it? No. Should we be doing this? No. If I could explain that we had all this money in the bank and we had all kinds of stuff and we go, yeah, we've got all this stuff, then maybe God's not in it. But if we go, God, we have a radio station and we're broadcasting the gospel 24-7, how'd you do it? I don't know. I found favor with a guy I really didn't know who's now my friend who said, yeah, we'll sell this to you. This, 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 this. Amen? They want to sell us the shopping center. They want to sell us the shopping. Ben, do you want the whole shopping center? You be the landlord. I don't want to be a landlord. We're a church. But one day, maybe God's going to just give us the building. How do we know? Could God do it? That's the point. But we want to see the glory of God, so we want to have faith. We want to have faith. So that's what's going on. Roll away, I told you. Now, look at, the, look, at, look at how this affected people group number five. Acquaintances and curiosity, verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, why did Jesus do that? Okay, There was a circle of people standing around. There were curiosity. There was acquaintances. There were family, friends, maybe other people. But all of a sudden, people caught wind. Lazarus is dead, right? And now you have, wait, where's Jesus? Hey, let's follow Jesus. So now you've got a crowd, right? Everybody knew that. They had come in, and you've got important people in the community, right? The name of Jesus was so widely known, you've got to understand that. He spent time in Bethany, and so now, guess what? You've got Mary and Martha, you've got family, you've got family friends, you've got, now you've got acquaintances, and then you've got looky-loos. You guys know what I'm talking about? Curiosity seekers. How many of you are a looky-loo when it comes to an accident? How many of you are rubbernecking and it's like, oh, I'm going to see, and don't do that, okay? Just don't. Anyway, you've got a bunch of curiosity. They want to see what's going on. Wouldn't you? I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine? Paul turns to his wife. Guess what? Jesus said, take away the stone. No way. Shut up. Are you serious? Yeah. What's, what's he going to do? Why would he do that? And then all of a sudden you go, whoo, that stinks. Lazarus is dead. What's he doing? Right? You've got a lot of curiosity. Isn't that really how life is? You've got a lot of curiosity. You've got a lot of acquaintance and curiosity seekers in your life. People you work with are going, yeah, she got religion. Yeah, she got weird, man. She was, she used to like, she used to talk really weird and all. And now she's like praying. She's reading her Bible during a break. They don't say anything, do they? They're just looking. They're just looking at your life. They're just looking at your life. Well, there's a bunch of crowd, okay? There's a bunch of crowd. Now, what does Jesus say? Look at verse 43 and then we'll come back, right? And when Jesus had prayed these things, everybody with me? He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now, this is important. This is important, okay? We've got a chat. Jesus prayed loudly. You guys with me? He prayed loudly, and then he said, Lazarus, 
come forth. Now, why would he do that? Why would he do that? Why would it say he, he, he cried with a loud? It's a shout. Why? Okay. Well, first and foremost, we need to understand that it was not that God was deaf. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been in a prayer meeting? God! And people are like, God's not deaf. It's okay. He's right there. He can hear. So God's not deaf. But what he's doing is there's a certain thing. Number one, jot this down. Okay? There were three reasons that he vocalized very loudly. You go, what was that? Number one, guys, that this was going to be a mighty act. You need to understand. It was going to be a mighty act. So he vocalized it. I mean, the people were going to be. What was the purpose of it? He wanted people to believe. So he prayed loud. He prayed loud. Number two, here's what you need to understand. Wizards, warlocks, witches, um, mediums, they would often whisper incantations. In this time, they would whisper, oh, and they would get together. They would whisper. Okay, so Jesus is not any of that. He's going with a loud voice. With a loud voice, he's praying, God, I know you hear me. I thought that was interesting. And the third thing, guys, is that he wanted to get everyone's attention. Everyone's attention. So what does he say? He prayed and he cried with a loud voice. Lazarus, come forth. Could you imagine Mary and Martha? Whoa, 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 what are you doing, Jesus? <laughs> Listen, I know that you've, I know that you've, you, there are some eyes that couldn't see. I know there are some legs that grew. <laughs> I know there were some crippled people that walked, but, but, but four days, Lord, four days, four days. This is, and he's like, Lazarus, come out, right? And I love this. Here's a question. You ready? Here it is. This is, this is Jeopardy time. Why did Jesus call Lazarus by name? Why did he say, Lazarus? I'll tell you why. You ready? Because he needed to limit the response, right? If he would have just said, come out, could you imagine? Everybody, all the dead people would have started coming out. I don't know how. They'd be knocking on the, hey, what am I doing in here? It's dark. Roll away the stone. I mean, all these people would have just come from all over the place. So he had to just name one, right? I love that. He had to just name one. But here's what I want you to see, guys. This just touches my heart. Why? Because it's a beautiful picture of our salvation. You go, what do you mean? See, when we're all born, we're all born DOA. You know what I'm talking about? When you're born, you're born dead on arrival, spiritually dead. Okay, don't write me letters going, I wasn't born dead. I'm not talking, I'm talking about when you were born and and the doctor went and hit you on the bottom, you started crying, you were what? You were DOA. You were spiritually dead on arrival. Okay, that's what happened. That's why Jesus said you must be, thank you, you guys are awesome. You guys are awesome. Listen, Jesus had the power to bring the dead to life. And here's what I want you to see. You ready? Listen to me. It was all a work of God. You go, what do you mean? Think about it, guys. There you are. You're at the tomb. Jesus did not ask Lazarus to participate in this, did he? You go, well, he called his name. Yeah, he didn't say, Lazarus, Lazarus, dude, if you'll just move your little toe, I'll do the rest. You go, Pastor, your point? Listen, listen. Salvation is a 100% work of God. He doesn't ask you to participate. He doesn't say, if you'll just move a little in my direction, if you'll just clean up yourself, if you'll just, if you'll just kind of get your life in order, then you can be saved, man. Then you can be saved. Hey, let's do this. All right? High five. He doesn't say that. It's 100% work of him. It's 100% work of him. We couldn't make ourselves, guys, come to life any more than Lazarus could. And just like Lazarus, the Bible says that we are dead in our sins. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, by the grace you have been saved. Because you who were dead in trespasses and uncircumcision in your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, Colossians 2.13. Since all of us have earned the wages of eternal death by our sins, that's Romans, 
We had to be made alive by Christ's supernatural work of redemption on the cross. Because in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 5.22. So it's a beautiful picture of salvation. You were once dead. You guys realize that? And he made alive. The second picture, guys, is really cool. You go, what's that? Have you ever gone to the movies? And what happens? You get to the movies a little bit early. And what do you have? Whatever you're seeing, if you're you're like action-packed, what do they show you? They show you previews of coming attractions. They're called trailers, right? And sometimes the trailer is better than the whole movie because they take all of the good parts and they put it in the trailer. And you sit there, you go, oh, we'd like to see that. Oh, coming June. Oh, we'd like to see that. And they give you, what, about five or six previews before the actual movie. And so what are they trying to do? They're going to give you a preview of what's going to come in the next few months. This is the same way. You go, what do you mean? Okay, here's what you need to understand. Right here, Jesus just gave what, what Jesus did to Lazarus, he's going to do to us. You go, what's that? Remember what I read earlier in Thessalonians? What does it say? For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a what? But not a whisper. Hey, guys, come on up. With a shout. Why? Because he, he, he means business, right? And the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. This is going to be a loud thing. You go, so what's he going to say? What if he says, hey, come on, come forth. And all of the dead in Christ, and then we're going, he said, come, let's go. Or according to Revelation, what does it say? Revelation chapter 4, he says, come up here. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know what he's going to say, but I know he's going to come with a shout, and I'm looking for a shout, right? So it's a preview. Guys, this is a preview of what's going to happen. Come forth. You guys ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. So notice what happens. You guys ready? Notice what happens, verse 44. And he who had died, that's Lazarus, came bound, right? Hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Now, I need to give you a quick point, okay, guys? We have talked about this, and I read one commentator. Here's what you got to know. Jesus did not resurrect Lazarus the way he would be resurrected. You go, what do you mean? Jesus didn't simply resuscitate Lazarus because he had been dead four days, but he didn't resurrect him the way he would be resurrected. You go, you're confusing me. No, 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 stay with me. Lazarus comes out in what? In grave clothes and the cloth. He is now resurrected. The problem is, is that Lazarus is going to what? He's going to need those grave clothes again. Not sure if a year, two years, five years, ten years. We're not sure. When Jesus is resurrected, what did he do? He left the grave clothes there never to be used again. What does that mean? When he resurrects us, guys, the way he is with our glorified body, we will never, ever, ever die again. Don't you just love it? So I need to make that quick point. Now, Jesus says, hey, those stinking grave, right? He stinks, right? Those stinking grave clothes, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Now, so many people, guys, have been set free by Jesus, yet they still walk around in the same old stinking grave clothes. That's a sermon for another time. I don't have time, but let's close with the reaction, okay? I want to close with the reaction of all the people around him. Who, who's there? You have acquaintances and curiosity seekers. Look at verse 45. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. Give me a good amen. Look at verse 46. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. So, your attention please. This was an extreme makeover resurrection style. This was amazing. Why? Lazarus has been dead four days, and now he comes walking out. Wow. Where were you? I was just in Abraham's bosom. I was having a conversation with Elijah, and I heard Lazarus. I was like, huh? I think somebody's calling me. Lazarus. And so he's like, I got to go, fellas. 
Jesus, the master, is calling me, right? This blows everybody's mind. He comes walking out alive. You guys with me? Now, here's what I want you to note. Look at verse 45 again. It says, then many of the Jews. Many? Here's what I'm thinking. Shouldn't it read everyone? Everyone who had seen this miracle should have believed. Why didn't they? As a matter of fact, guess what it says? It says in the next verse that some went and tattletailed. They didn't believe. They actually went to the Pharisees and said, hey, did you see what Jesus, Jesus did this? And he's out in Bethany right now. And, and they tattletailed and they didn't believe. Guys, there were some who saw both the power and the sympathy of Jesus and yet responded by working against him. And this makes me sad. And you go, why, Ben? Why? Listen, it's because the hardness of the human heart that people won't believe. They won't believe. So my question to you is, do you believe? Do you have a relationship with the God that created you? Because here's the thing, guys. You've seen so many things in your life and maybe some you can understand and maybe some you can't understand. Or maybe you've gone and you've made so many bad choices in your life that you're sitting here going, man, pastor, you don't understand. I feel like I'm a million miles away from God. And he doesn't understand me and he doesn't know what I'm going through. And if God really loved me, why, why did I have to suffer all of these things? Listen, the point is, is that God says, I want you to believe and I'm going to work with you and I want to walk with you. But you have to surrender once and for all. You can't keep doing the things you're going to do. You have to trust me. You have to trust me. Real quick story. There was one day, many years, about 10 years ago, I was working out at the gym, and I was on, I was on something called an arc trainer. And at the gym, they had two arc trainers side by side, and you could watch TVs. And I was working out one day, and I was just kind of going forward, and this young gal Gosh, couldn't be more than 21 or 22. She came and she got on the art trainer and we, we exchanged pleasantries. Hi, how are you? Hi, how you doing? And as we're kind of working out, we got to talking and, and she said, what do you do? And I said, hey, I'm a pastor at Calvary Chapel. We're on 42nd in Boston. Would you, would you come? And she goes, oh, yeah, my, my older sister has attended your church. I'd love to come. Wonderful. Well, of course, we invite people all the time, and they're like, yeah, great, I'll go. And then they don't come. But she came, and she sat about three rows back from Anthony. And I remember seeing there, and I'm preaching, and I give an invitation. I said, hey, how many of you today feel like you, you, you need Jesus, and, 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 and you want to believe, and, and, but you can't? And, and, and I saw her, and I could see her struggling. She was fidgeting, and she's like this, right? And I'm going, she's going to get saved. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But she didn't. Kept waiting and kept waiting. Service was over, and I saw her the next day at the gym. And I said, and she goes, you know what? I really liked your sermon. She says, I was going to raise my hand. She said, but. She said, I'm about to move in with my boyfriend. And if I give my life to Jesus, that'll mess it up. So, so you're willing to, my heart just broke. Because there's a lot of people who go, yes, Lord, amen, me, that's me. You could feel the spirit. And then other people go. Those are the ones that went and tattled on Jesus. So maybe you're here today and you're going, Pastor, that's, that's me. I feel like that girl. I feel like I'm a million miles away, but I want to get right with Jesus. I want to get right. We're going to pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for Lazarus. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for your great love. Lord, I love you, and I would never want to leave an opportunity, God, that, that we don't surrender our hearts to you. It's not about joining in church. It's, it's, it's about getting right with God who created me. 
And so I would just pray real quickly for anyone here that doesn't know you in a real and intimate way. If you're here today and you feel like you're a million miles away from God, listen to me right now. You're only one decision away. All you have to do is surrender today. What do I have to do, Pastor? In a moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. We'll pray with you. We won't embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be right with him. I want to surrender completely today. It's a work of God's spirit. It's not a work of what I'm saying or, or my words or, or the music or the lights. It's a work of his spirit. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Ben, you were talking to me. I want to be right with Jesus. I want to be right. I want to give my life to him. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? Every, nobody's going to see. I just want, I want God to see your hand. And all you have to do is just lift it up and go, I want to surrender today. I want to give my life to him. I don't know what that means, but I want to take that first step. Would you just lift up your hand right now? Real quick, I just want to give you an opportunity. Is there anyone here that's not right and God followed you all the way to church and he has a plan for you and he wants to turn over a brand new leaf in your life? He wants to give you all of your heart's desire, but he wants to do it his way. Will you let him? Pastor, I'm nervous, but I think, it's, I think it's me. Just lift up your hand. I'm just going to give you just a few more seconds. I'll let the work of the Spirit, it's a work of the Spirit. Just lift up your hand right now. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you, God. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.